0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing. And I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is John Kasman from Kasman Capital Group. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you for having me on the show today.
0: Thanks for being on the show. A little bit about John. John Kassman is a real estate entrepreneur who has partnered with busy professionals to invest in close to 90 million worth of apartments. John hosts the Target Market Insights podcast where he covers multifamily and market insights. In addition, is the co-creator of the Minds Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, a no-pitch event to connect like-minded investors. With that, John, would you like to add anything to your background?
1: You know, with that said, I'm one excited to be here today. And uh, as far as my background goes, you know, a lot of it for me was being able to tap into my previous corporate experience. So, for many of your listeners who have a full time job, maybe daytime, and maybe you're looking to transition into being full time in real estate, those skills that you have from your corporate job really transfer over. So, for me, Those are marketing and advertising skills, working in corporate America for big brands like Nike and Coors Light and General Motors and helping to build those brands up, developing strategies and campaigns. When I got into real estate, in particular, multifamily, a lot of those uh, insights and those skills, they really transferred over nicely to help us, you know, to build the business that we have today.
0: Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. So how did you get started into real estate and multifamily, John?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it really starts back my time at GM, you know, like many people, you know, back in 2008, you know, it was a rough time, but I was at, you know, General Motors in 2008 in Detroit. So I was used to seeing my company on the news and my bosses being interviewed, and it was a rough time. And ultimately, when the decision was made to go into bankruptcy, and they had to make some layoffs, you know, I thought I was going to be one of those people. And they told me I was not going to be one of those people. But I remember going into the office the day they were doing layoffs and I saw a red light on my phone and uh, it was a voicemail and, you know, fear started to come into my heart and I just thought that, man, this is it. You know, they told me I was fine, but maybe I'm not. And after about 20 seconds of really fear and trepidation kind of going through my body and just running through my mind of all the different scenarios, I finally listened to the voicemail. It was actually one of my colleagues who actually had been let go. And he just talked about the challenges he was going to face being unemployed. And at that moment, I really realized that I had to create a different source of income. Even though I love my W2 job, I loved what I was doing from a, a professional standpoint, I wouldn't be able to solely rely on. This one stream of income, so I started researching things to to invest in. Um, I was somewhat familiar with real estate just from previous. Th- research I was doing on it. And at that moment, I just doubled down and said, you know what, I'm going to be a real estate investor. So it took some time before I did that first deal. It took about two years, but I bought a two unit building and lived in one unit, rented out the other. And that went extremely well. So I uh, saved up more money and, and bought another property to invest in. And I continued to do that until I got to the point where I realized there had to be a more efficient way. And I opened up myself to partnering with other people because I was running across people who were interested in investing in real estate, but they didn't have the time or the energy to do all the research and learn everything and they would tell me hey you know what maybe I'd just invest with you or someone else like that and the light bulb kind of went off that maybe there was an opportunity to help them and they could also help me so it's a great opportunity to start growing our portfolio by working with other investors.
0: Cool awesome and thanks for sharing that. So how to find best areas for investing John?
1: Yeah, listen. So, one of the biggest things in real estate is knowing where to invest. You know, the first deal that we did, we bought that two unit. I had like these neon arrow signs pointing to me to tell me this was the neighborhood. And the the neon sign was out of the 77 distinct Chicago neighborhoods. Only one did not lose any value during the economic downturn. So, something told me, listen, if this is true, then this is probably the best place to invest. No, I don't need to know anything else because if it didn't lose any value during the worst economic, you know, time of my life, then it's probably gonna be okay for the next five to ten years. And I bought a play I bought a two-unit building there. Now going forward, I didn't have that that glowing neon sign pointing to me to say, Hey, here's the best place to invest. So I had to really dig in and learn more about what metrics to look for. So I started finding different areas. And one quick tip before you get into to data and things like that, when you're looking for a great place to invest, find out the places that other people love, you know, ask brokers, ask other investors, and listen to what they say. Ask, you know, renters, you know, and young people, millennial. Yeah. And if you listen to where they say, are great places that they'd want to live or they'd want to invest. Sometimes the numbers don't work out there. So a great tip to find a great place to invest is instead of investing directly where they say, look at an adjacent community, look at an adjacent neighborhood right next door that has the same characteristics or very similar characteristics. That's gonna be a great hack to help you find a great place to invest on a submarket level. Now, let's take this up a little bit higher to the macro level, right? So maybe you don't know if you should be investing in Michigan or Florida or Texas or somewhere else. You know, one of the things you want to do is you want to look at some of the macro trends. So that's going to be population. You want to know where people are going. You want to look at jobs. You want to look at job growth, job development, and you want to look at the diversity of industry. You know, one of the challenges that I faced when I was living in Detroit was it was so driven by the automotive market that even when I started to look for different jobs, most of the jobs really tied to automotive. So I couldn't get out of automotive and go to say, you know, packaged goods or or some other industry because they didn't have those companies there. So that was one of the big challenges. So when you face that and and one of those industries is going through a rough time, you want to be in a market where there's other industries that can still support and thrive. I mean, right now, as we're recording this, we're, you know, still in the pandemic and we know hospitality and, and travel has been hit very hard. So if you are in one of those markets, you know, probably is having a big impact on what's going on with that local economy. But if you are in, say, tech, the tech market is still booming, right? I mean, we're, we're doing this over Zoom right now with our recording. So, you know, those in the tech industry have seen great growth still. So you want to be in a market that has diverse industries. So even when one industry is down, the other industry can still lift it up.
0: Cool. Yeah, those are great points, John. So do you use any tools or softwares to find best areas?
1: Well, one of the things that we do is we like to do our, our macro research. I do look at a lot of different data points. I'll call it website that I love. There's two. One is citydata.com. It's a great website to find Information on a city, understand what the demographics are, understand what's happening at a macro level. And then there's a site I absolutely love is datausa.io. Now I normally don't tell people this, but it's a phenomenal website. And the reason I say that is it's visual and it does an excellent job of laying out the information where you can really comprehend the story that's being told and what's going on with the city. So I use those websites to kind of just help me understand. At a macro level what's going on you can get into sub markets to an extent with those websites and that really helps me just to see what's going on with those markets so i like those a lot outside of that you know i do have different tools um, I play around with a lot of different tools, to be honest with you, just to really make sure we feel comfortable with the market. And I like to see how data is presented through different resources. And then the big brokerage firms. So, you know, if you're looking at Marcus and Millichap or Cushman and Wakefield, a lot of times they have different uh, resources that they use. Um, Yardi Matrix, CoStar, uh, Reonomy. They're all different types of platforms that can give up data, especially when it comes to multifamily data and what's going on in the multifamily market. So I'd like to look at those tools and resources as well to help us understand what's going on and how to find the best place in that market.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing those tools. So why one need to develop personal brand, John? Well, I think
1: a personal brand is really important in today's day and age. I mean, think about it. Again, we're, we're doing this virtually. So if you're not in an environment where you can naturally, and I say naturally going back to like, you know, in person building connections. The only way to do that is online. And the only way to do that is, you know, through podcasts and blogs and different things like that. So it's really important. And let's just say that you're not interested in a big real estate investor, you just want to invest passively. So you don't think a personal brand is important. Well, think about Corporate America, you know, if someone, if you can demonstrate your skills and your capabilities and help people, you are going to be more valuable, especially in today's day and age. If you can build a personal brand and demonstrate that, that if you are just one of those people, who puts your heads down, head down, and keep working. I'll give you a quick example. Let's say I was, um, you know, twenty years ago. You know, I'm trying to break into advertising and marketing. Okay, if I am demonstrating my advertising and marketing knowledge. You know, I've got a blog or a podcast and I'm interviewing other advertising and marketing professionals. I'm writing about, you know, commercials that I see and I'm breaking them down or I'm doing YouTube or or Instagram videos and people can see the knowledge. I'm building my online presence, you know, versus someone who just goes to school, you know, gets their degree and submits their resume. Who do you think is going to have a better chance of getting a job when on my resume, I list out my content platforms that I've built out demonstrating my knowledge, my connections, not to mention, I'm actually learning from all these other people as well, versus the person who simply just lists a resume. Same thing in tech or IT. If you're an IT professional, maybe you can lay out some of the more common IT challenges people face. And if you were to do videos, helping to teach people, hey, here's something you that I come across all the time, you know, once a day I get this call or request from an IT standpoint, here's how you solve it. If you are teaching and sharing that knowledge, when you go to interview for your job, you can simply just share that and let people know. Yeah, I actually teach people how to fix some basic things. Here's my YouTube channel. You are going to stand out from, you know, the other candidates who simply have a resume, but they don't have that that social proof or that online presence of their work, you know, and I think by helping people, especially when you're building a personal brand, a lot of what you're really doing is educating people on the common issues and challenges that they have. So if you can do that, you are giving them value. And in turn, you usually get some value back. So I think right now, it's really important, because it's hard to stand out in today's world, especially if you can't be in person you can't do everything that you may normally do to follow up and stand out if you're doing all of your interviews on zoom how do you stand out you've got to find ways to do that and building a personal brand is a great way to do that whether you are looking to attract capital for deals or simply just building your personal brand from your corporate career
0: awesome and thank you so what questions one need to ask oneself when developing personal brand
1: Well, I think you have to understand your objectives first and foremost, you know, what are you trying to accomplish and then where are you at, you know, don't pretend to be the expert at something if you're not an expert but that doesn't mean you shouldn't build a personal brand doing that. And I'll give you an example. Let's say I wanted to become an IT professional, going back to that 20-year-old student, right? I'm 20 years old. I want to be an IT professional, but I don't, I'm not an expert. I've never done it. What I may do is start something where, well, first and foremost, I want to establish my goal. My goal is to become an IT professional, okay? So my audience are either people who can hire me or companies or other folks who are in the industry who are connected. So I might do something where I actually interview other IT professionals, or I may ask questions and ask people to weigh in and give us answers on how to solve something. And we may try out different things, but that would be more about showing my journey to education, right? I would be showing people how I'm learning about being an IT professional. I would be you know, leaning on other experts to come on and share their expert opinions on what it takes to be a successful IT professional. And I would be helping other people who are like me in my shoes, as well as demonstrating my expertise to profession. you know, to potential employers. So that may be what you're doing. Let's go to the other side. Let's say that you're a 20 year IT professional pro, and you're looking to maybe, you know, create, write a book or, you know, get a, a higher paying job or whatever the case may be. Well, in that case, you may demonstrate your expertise, right? You may do a show where you just talk about, you know, common issues or ways to solve these challenges and things like that. And maybe you're targeting larger organizations. So you're showing, you know, an an Apple or a Zoom or whatever. You're showing these companies specific ways to address the challenges that they face. And maybe it's based on the systems that they operate on. But you would want to create it in a way that allowed you to have success. So I think the number one thing you have to do is figure out your goal with the show or go with a personal branding. And again, it doesn't have to be a show. It doesn't have to be a blog. It could just be posting on LinkedIn. You know, if you're on LinkedIn, maybe you decide, you know what, I want to post on LinkedIn. And that way people can get to know me or post on Facebook, whatever. But the whole point on personal branding is not about the content platform. It's about getting people to know about you before you really have to say something about yourself.
0: Cool, cool. Thanks for sharing that. How to develop a strong personal brand, John?
1: I mean, I think, again, going back to what we just talked about, you know, one, if you can get clarity on what your goal is, you know, what you want to accomplish, what information you want to share with the world and then be consistent. You know, the number one thing you have to do is be consistent. Anybody can make one YouTube video, anybody can make podcast or, you know, any piece of content. But those people who are consistent, who are going to show up week after week, day after day, month after month, those are the people who are going to stand out. And those are the people who are going to come top of mind when people are thinking about something. So ask yourself, what do you want people to think about you? When your name comes up, First thing, what do you want them to think about you? And this is friends, family, employers, anyone, you know, do you want them to think, oh, yeah, I know that guy, he's this, you know, he's he's a professional, he's an IT professional, he's a doctor, he's this. Or do you want them to think, you know, oh, yeah, you know, that guy actually has a, a great you know, he's a great chef, or he's, you know, um, a great investor, you have to figure out what you want people to say about you. And as you develop that personal brand, it really, it it really just comes down to the answers to that question. What are they going to say about you when you're not in the room? For me, starting out, you know, it was marketing, because that's what my people knew me as. Oh, yeah, John's a marketing pro, He, he does marketing and advertising. And over time, that transition to, oh yeah, John's a real estate investor. And then it went to, oh yeah, John buys apartments, he works with other people. So, and even now, I I don't even know if it's that, right? I think people probably say, oh yeah, John's really good at, you know, multifamily and marketing or or marketing with uh, apartment investors. So you have to figure out what you want to put out there and to build a strong personal brand, you have to give value. You know, if you can give value to people, that's what's going to jump out. You know, if they feel like you've helped them, you've given them some clarity and you've provided value. That's where they're going to talk about you because you've helped them with something. And, you know, sorry to keep picking on the IT thing, but, you know, if you're a great IT professional, then that's what people are going to know you for. If You help them in that realm. That's what they're going to know you for. It's really about what you've done for them. So if you've helped me with, you know, some handyman stuff around my house, then I'm going to say, oh, yeah, he's a great handyman. He came in and, you know, he fixed this and fixed that and fixed this. So that's going to be my vision of who you are. So as you go out and build a strong personal brand, you know, it's a matter of what you do to help people, how you help people, and if you're doing it consistently or not.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So is there any impact of COVID on personal branding? Any of your views? Yeah, you know, I think
1: first and foremost, you know, the biggest impact is, you know, we're no longer meeting people in person, you know, and it really challenging for a lot of people because, you know, those interactions are really helpful on both fronts. You know, for us, it's a matter of getting to know people in person, you know, just be able to sit down, talk to someone, really get to know them, get their vibe, Get you know, just get that full feeling of who they are, especially in our world. We're working with investors and, you know, investors typically want to get to know you. They're going to invest with you. So that's made it a little more challenging. We've done a lot more virtual stuff, right? So virtual events, virtual conferences, virtual calls. So we found ways to work around it, but I think nothing beats the in-person, right? Um, I love in-person events where you can sit down, grab dinner, just really get to know someone, connect with them, learn more about their business. I think the one challenging downside for us on the tech is when it comes to these events and conferences, a lot of times you're at home and you have other things going on. When you go to a conference, you know, part of the appeal of a conference or part of the reason it works is you are stepping away from your day-to-day life. You know, you go out to Boston or, you know, Texas, wherever, you go out to a three-day conference and you are there, you're immersed in the experience for three days. You know, you're not checking in on emails and, you know, being interrupted by family obligations and things like that. So you can really lock in, you can really connect with other people. You can really build the relationships that allow you to grow and blossom in what you're doing. When you're doing it virtually, you know, I'm, I'm for me, at least, is sitting in my office. I'm on here, but, you know, my kids, especially if it's on the weekend, my kids may be home. You know, they don't want to, you know, I'm not going to sit in here for eight hours, especially during the summer. I'm not going to sit in my office for eight hours, you know, looking at a video while my kids are on the other side. You know, we do all this to have more time with our family. So it's it's tough if, if they can see me. It's a, a bigger challenge than if I'm gone out of market. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So would you share any of your best and worst branding experiences so far, John?
1: Experiences? Well, I will tell you that when it comes to branding, it really does take consistency you know, and sometimes it's going to take a little time to get traction. You know, I think that um, some folks believe that all you have to do is launch a podcast or a blog and everything takes off from there. But there's a lot of work that goes into it, right? To the production of it, promoting it, staying consistent, getting great guests. It just takes time. And I think that's why it really helps to stay focused on your goals. If you can stay focused on your goals, you can stay committed to the actions until they demonstrate results. And you want to keep tweaking but you want to make sure that you're staying committed to the action. So I think for me, the best experience has been getting to the point where the personal branding has helped open up doors, new relationships, you know, people coming out to me because I've been able to help them and give them some value. So that's really fun. You know, it's good when someone can reach out and say, Hey man, I love, I love what you do. I love the content you put out. It's really helped me. We're not on video right now, but in my office, right over my shoulder is a plaque, that one of our listeners actually created for me and sent to me and I got that and it was really special just because you know sometimes when you're doing this stuff you don't really know the impact you're having you know you get emails from time to time but you know you don't fully understand the impact you're having so the fact that someone took the time to make a plaque and, and send it to me thought was really special and it just showed that you know what we are making a difference we are helping people this is awesome and we want to continue to provide that kind of value for people
0: cool cool and share something you're excited about now john
1: Man, you know, there's a lot that we're excited about. We just sold my first investment. So that two unit I mentioned earlier, I just sold it yesterday. (laughs) So... I, thank you. I just sold it yesterday. So that's bittersweet. But we decided to go in a different direction with our portfolio and, and scale up. And, you know, that was our last property in Chicago. So just decided now was the time to, to make that transition. So I'm excited about that. And I mean, part of the reason we did that was to have more flexibility on some of the new deals and opportunities we're looking for. But uh, I'm also excited about the end of this year. You know, we got fourth quarter here and, you know, we're right in the throes of it. There's a lot going on and we're trying to finish strong. So we are excited about, you know, ending this year strong and getting 2021 off to a great start, no matter what happens with the market, with the economy, with the politics and the elections, we don't care. You know, it's really about making sure you're building a recession resistant business that can thrive no matter what's going on around you. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine has said to be able to breathe throughout the chaos. And if you can manage your breaths in the chaos, you will thrive no matter what. So really focusing in on that, no matter what's going on around us making sure that we are staying in control, staying calm, staying calculated and doing the best thing we can for our investors.
0: Awesome. So one advice that impacted you, John?
1: You know, I've received a lot of great advice over the years, but one thing that has always stood out to me is to ask yourself what you will regret you know when you're facing big decisions you know people ask me like hey I want to leave my job you know what do you think should I do it or should I not or whatever big decisions for me I faced that a few times but you have to ask yourself what would you regret in life you know you go 10 years down the road 20 years down the road what decision will you regret because typically, you know what you want to do. There's just fear and trepidation holding you back. And if you can ask yourself what you're, you will regret, and if it's clear that there's one action you would regret more than the other action, that's what you should do. Live with no regrets. And I'm not saying be careless. So I'm saying calculate the situation, understand the risks that, that are involved, and make sure you don't regret not taking action. So whether that's an in investing, whether that's a job, whether that's you know, a significant other or, you know, someone you wanted to reach out to make sure you don't have those regrets. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can live with trying and and not being successful, but you know, to, to not try, I think is more painful for most people.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. So any one book that impacted your life and what way John?
1: man, just one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, lots of books have impacted my life as a as a younger person, a rich dad, poor dad, uh, certainly had had an impact and allowed me to really think about money in a different way. And I, I think obviously when I went through the the experience of General Motors, that book was playing back in my head. And uh, I think that really helped me to to focus and say, you have to go invest. Like it was not something I was interested in. It was something I felt like I had to do. And it was just, I wasn't going to be happy until I I did that first investment. Um, But two other books really jumped out to me. Uh, One is called How to Sell Yourself by um, Joe Girard. And I read that back when I was in college as well. And the book is really important because it's easy to, you know, make excuses about why you're not able to do something. Let's go back to getting a job, you know. Oh, well, they're not hiring or, you know, hey, I didn't get an interview. Man, do not allow someone else to dictate, you know, your experience. So in that case, that book gets into different tactics. And I remember specifically, I interviewed for a job with uh, Arby's Advertising Agency. And at the time they had this, oven mitt campaign going it's a little crazy oven mitt that would talk and just animate it right well i wanted to make sure that they i stood out with them so i actually created a potholder i couldn't find an oven mitt so i created a potholder and i made this whole story about this potholder being the oven mitt's cousin and i sent it to the person who interviewed me and, and of course i got the job but that book just helped us understand like sometimes you have to go above and beyond to stand out to get what you want and demonstrate you know your seriousness your commitment and the fact that you are different, that goes back to personal branding. So personal branding is not always about, again, this stuff, the content and all of that. It's about going, you know, following up with, you know, communications and standing out and and just the little things, you know, all of that plays into personal branding as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community, John?
1: You know, one of the things that I love is, you know, finding ways to make an impact. And a good friend of mine named Shopa. She, she launched an organization called Search for Water. And she launched it some years back. Um, but about, about four years ago, she left her job and she quit her corporate consulting job to focus full time on this nonprofit that she created with no income coming in from the nonprofit. And that really just helped me understand that, you know what, there are things that are more important than just, you know, earning a living. So I'm a proud, advisory board member for Search for Water, really inspired by her and her story. And, and essentially, Search for Water helps to invest in, in underserved communities to help them have water. You know, one of the most basic necessities just to have water to live their lives. So everything from clean running water to, you know, hygiene stations, and really to, to create a sustainable water solutions, because in a lot of these towels, they have to walk miles and miles to get clean drinking water, you know, and kids are missing school because they need to go, you know, three or four hours out of the way to get water three to four hours back, you know, carrying, you know, these big pails of water. So it's just really important to create something that we all take for granted in the United States. And we just take Thing for granted, you turn in your faucet, water comes out. You know, super simple, simple super easy. I mean, we we have filters because we don't like the way our water tastes. You know. And um, in these markets, you know, a lot of times they have, you know, diseases in the waters and they're sharing the water with the animals and it, it's just a really tough thing. So the fact that she dedicated herself to helping to resolve some of these challenges, it really inspired me. And I hope anyone listening to this would take a moment to, to check it out. It's called Search for Water, S-U-R-G-E, search, searchforwater.org. Um, It's a great organization. Uh, All the the donations go directly to the field or to the field work that we do. And uh, something I'm really excited to be a part of.
0: Awesome. So how can listeners can connect with you, John?
1: Well, from an investing standpoint, you know, we certainly buy multifamily apartments. If you are interested in looking at what a sample deal looks like, you can check that out on our website at casmancapital.com sample deal. And uh, if you want to just reach out, you can shoot me an email. My email is john at casmancapital.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks for sharing your experiences.
1: Thank you, Ram. I appreciate you having me on the show today.
0: If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.